talk about cultivating a life of thanksgiving, and to do that, we're going to take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to take a look at, uh, uh, beginning with verse, uh, uh, what verse? verse, verse 16 is where I'm going to begin, I'm going to read through verse 24, and um, then I want to just uh, sort of help us navigate our way through this passage of scripture. Beginning with verse uh, 16, uh, this is Paul writing to the people at Thessalonica. He says this, he says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, if you if you're, uh, want to memorize a verse, that's our memory verse for the week. Uh, some of you see that, and some of you actually put that into practice. But So let me just remind you, this is the memory verse, verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We continue. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. When we talk about cultivating a life of thanksgiving, I was taken back to my years of growing up. Now, as I grew up, my, my grandfather and my grandmother had a, a little ranchette, I guess. Uh, they had 10 acres of land uh, outside the city where I lived in the near country. It's like, like the old days of Pearland. If you, if you, if you sort of were, were raised in the old days of Pearland, this was the, the, the place near, this was near country. Right? You, you, this, this was a sleepy little village where people uh, had horses and co goats and cows, and many still do. But that, that's what this is all about. And people actually enjoyed having their livestock, and not, uh, not just their livestock, they enjoyed having a, a little plot of ground in which they could plant good things. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, of all the times that I was at my grandma and grandpa's place, that we were cultivating the soil of goodness. You know what that means? That means getting to drive the tractor. That means getting to pull weeds. That means getting to plant things that you hope will grow and produce abundant crops, abundant fruit. But, but in the cultivating, it was nurturing the soil so that the soil would produce a multiplication of good fruit. Today I want to talk to you about nurturing the soil of your soul. Nurturing the soil of your soul so that the soil of your soul will produce a multiplication of good fruit, well-being, and health. So let me just be really, really clear. Sometimes we get this flipped around, and we think, that the, we think that the doing is the way to get God's attention to gain entrance into the kingdom, and that is not so. 
We gain entrance into God's kingdom not by doing, but by simply receiving the already love of God for us in Jesus, right? The already love of God for us in Jesus. We respond to his overtures of love by saying simply yes to the invitation. So I'm not talking about navigating our way into the kingdom. I'm talking about navigating our way on in the kingdom. And there are some similarities, and the similarity is this. The similarity is simply saying yes to the invitation of the Father. And so Paul here in 1 Thessalonians is not talking to people who are outside of faith, those who have not yet decided to follow Jesus, Paul is talking to people who have already decided to follow Jesus and, might I add, follow Jesus in extremely difficult circumstances. The church at Thessalonica was under a lot of intense pressure. They were in, under a lot of, of uh, intense, intense turmoil tribulation. They were, they were being given a hard time for being followers of Jesus. They were being, is another word, persecuted. They were being persecuted for being followers of Jesus. And so in his final words, Paul reminds them that as you navigate your way on, you need to pe be people who are cultivating a life of thanksgiving. Prior to verse 16, he talks about how we should care for one another, how we should love one another, how we should treat one another. And then he culminates it in this admonition. Rejoice always, pray continually, be thankful in every circumstance. I want to talk to you about those three things today for the next period of time that we have together. Rejoice always. Philippians, we read it last week. Rejoice in the Lord, I say always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. Paul has this ongoing continuation of invitation where he says, be thankful in everything, not for everything. The interesting notion here is that always rejoicing doesn't mean we have to like the the circumstances that surround us, but that we need to acknowledge that God's plan is not circumvented or thwarted in the midst of difficult challenges. See, there's a difference. There's a difference. We don't have to be thankful for the challenge, but we're thankful in the challenge. And the reason we're thankful in the challenge is that God hasn't abandoned us nor has his plan for our life been thwarted. God hasn't abandoned us, nor has his plan for us been thwarted or been terminated. See, we're always rejoicing because we recognize that God's good work continues in spite of hardship and difficulty and tears and even persecution. We're always rejoicing because God's good work continues. We're also always rejoicing because we, as followers of Jesus, are never left 
alone. We as followers of Jesus are never left alone. Always rejoicing because God's good work continues. Always rejoicing because we are never left alone. Let me, let me just read to you the circumstances in which the Thessalonians find themselves. And so this is Paul uh, at the very beginning of this little letter that he says is worthy of being passed along to everyone at the end. Here, here's what he says in verse 2. He says, We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually rem remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. With power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction, you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. You see, when the invitation of God's grace came to them, they received it with great joy. And in receiving it with great joy, it turned their lives upside down, inside out, and they began to live differently in the midst of hardship and suffering. But you could just read right past it and not even notice if you don't take a breath. It says, when you came to faith... There was an awakening, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit that accompanied your transformation. There was an awakening, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit that accompanied your transformation. Kurt mentioned your knower. In your knower, followers of Jesus, I'm saying to you, in your knower, you know that you know, that you know the Holy Spirit is at work inside of you in the midst of difficult times, suffering and tribulation to empower your hope in Jesus. Bob mentioned it. The advent of Jesus coming in the first event brings the grace of God to us and the presence of the empowering Spirit gives us hope that he who has come will come again. And when he comes again, we will be those who meet him and are forever changed to be like him. And we will be with him always and forever. So this is what happens. This is what happens when we come to faith. The empowering presence of the Spirit awakens us. And then the empowering presence of the Spirit just doesn't awaken us. Here, here, here it is. Here it is. Verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. 
the transformation occurs as the Holy Spirit empowers us. And the joy continues and comes to us by the quickening of the Spirit within us that says, Though you suffer now, there is a day coming when your suffering will end because the one who has come is coming again. And when he arrives, you will be caught up with him to live with him and be as he is forever. See, an empowering presence from within in transformation, a continuing empowering that gives us hope Hope by the Spirit in the midst of suffering, in the midst of tribulation. How many need that? You see, that's what's available to us. We're always rejoicing because the Spirit of God inside of us is quickening us to the available presence of the Spirit. The available presence of the Spirit. Recently, about eight weeks ago, I had a dream. The dream is insignificant except for one portion of the dream. I was in a meeting. The power of God was present, obviously, around us, and people were receiving a, a touch by the Spirit, a touch by the Spirit. And I was watching people being touched by the Spirit, and the longing of my heart was, oh, would you just give me a word? You ever been there? Presence of God is all around you. It wasn't in a dream. This was a dream, but it wasn't in a dream. And there was this longing in your heart. If you just had a word from God, it would be awesome just to hear the encouraging of the Spirit. And, and I said, oh, would you just give me a word? And just as I was thinking in my head, would you just give me a word? The speaker turned to me and very assertively in my direction said, be still before me and I will heal you. I didn't quite know what to think about it then and I'm still not sure quite what to think about it simply because it wasn't what I was looking for. But I want to tell you this, in the difficulty of walking that out, simply finding space to be still before the Lord in silence. I have trouble like that, being still before the Lord in silence. And so let me just say to you, it happened about eight weeks ago, and I'm good if I get a couple of times a week since then before the Lord in silence. Do you know how long 15 minutes is? A really long time. I have to set a timer it just helps me get my, 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 my head wrapped around what God might be doing. But can I just tell you what happens? As imperfectly as I practice it, the always rejoicing in the prompting of the Spirit by sitting before the Father in silence is always met with a hope-filled heart for Alan. Always, always, always. Now, I don't know what God's Word is for you, but I know He has one. 
And that word is to encourage you to be with him in such a way that he turns your heart into a receptacle of, for his love that will keep your hope in him secure. Always rejoicing. If we're going to cultivate a life of thanksgiving, we have to cultivate a life of rejoicing in God for his great work that cannot be thwarted and in his presence that is transforming us from the inside out in which we are never left alone but which empowers us to a hope that we cannot churn up on our own. It's a spirit-empowered hope. That is a necessary ingredient for cultivating a life of thanksgiving. Let me just quickly hurry on. Constantly praying. You know, everybody prays, right? I don't care what your profession of faith is, everybody prays. Um, I just have lived too long and talked to too many people to be dissuaded any other direction. I, everybody prays. It's just how are we going to pray and to whom are we going to pray and what is it that we're praying about? And so when we talk about constantly praying, we recognize, we recognize that prayer is an attitude. So we don't go around, um, just be careful. You know, when you pray, don't, you don't have to close your eyes. So if you're driving and you want to pray, just keep them open. You don't close your eyes, you know. Uh, if you want to close your eyes, you should be in a stationary position, probably seated, so that you don't trip over anything or fall down or get disoriented. Uh, but constantly praying is simply an attitude. It's, it's the breath prayer. I've, I've talked about this breath prayer that is, uh, is, is regularly practiced by followers of Jesus around the world for a very long time. It's simply this. As you breathe in, you can say to yourself, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. You think that, you, don't, you, you know, as you're breathing in. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And as you breathe out, you think, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a breath prayer. And it's just one of those things you can pray all the time because we're in constant need of the direction of God to, to awaken us to the awareness of ourselves and our wellness or our sickness of the soul. Our wellness of the soul or our sickness of the soul. And so when we talk about continually praying, um, there, are, there are four things. And this is just something I learned uh, a really, really, uh, really, really, really long time ago. And uh, it's easy for me to remember because it's an acrostic. And so as a child, I was taught that when we pray, there are four ways in which we pray, and, and it's this, A-C-T-S, like the book of Acts. A-C-T-S, Acts. And so when we pray, our prayers are comprised of prayers of adoration. Prayers of adoration. Prayers of adoration are often inspired by the beauty of God. So when you think about prayers of adoration, do you love sunrises and sunsets? Oh, do you love the mountains or do you love the sea? Do you love trees and wilderness or do you love well-manicured lawns with beautiful landscaping? You, you begin to get the picture? What is it that you love? Do you love music or do you love the art of 
photography or oils or watercolors or everything in between. See, adoration is the overflow of love from within us, saying thanks to God for who he is and what he's done. So in the beauty of a sunrise or in the beauty of a sunset, let your heart give praise to the creator, the one who has made it and the one who holds it together. When you go to the fine arts museum or when you stand on the playground watching children play or any other scenario that I could configure this morning, whatever brings the joy of the creator alive within you, just make sure that you understand that is a moment of continually praying. Continually praying. C, confession. Adoration, confession. Confession is that place that confession is good for the soul, and it's good for the soul for a variety of reasons, but it's good for the soul because we have to recognize that we have missteps and mistakes along the way that don't live out our good intentions. Missteps and mistakes along the way that don't live out our good intentions. I, I want to do something good, I commit to doing it in my heart, and then I do something exactly the opposite. Paul, Paul says, oh, what a wretched man am I. What a terrible shape I'm in because the good that I want to do, I cannot do. Well, confession is simply the awakening of saying, the thing that I want to do, I can't do. God, would you meet me now and cause me now to be able to do the thing that I cannot do? Forgive me for my omission of things I intended to do, and forgive me the, for the commission of the things that I didn't really want to do, but I did them. So the things I wanted to do and I didn't do, omission. The things that I did and I didn't want to do, commission. And all of those things awaken us to the misdeeds and mistakes of our life, and we all have them. And so when we bring them before the Father, we simply say, would you empower me to live out the life that I desperately long to live out in your presence and in your power? So adoration and confession. Thanksgiving, we spent a lot of time talking about that, and so we're thankful for all of the things that we have, and I won't enumerate that since we've really already talked about that. So, adoration, confection, thanksgiving, and then the last word is a big word, supplication. And supplication means uh, simply how we spend most of our time praying. That, that's where most of us spend most of our time, supplication. And supplication simply this is asking humbly and earnestly God, asking God humbly and earnestly for the things we think we want, we need, or desire. Supplication, right? It's, it's asking earnestly and humbly for the things we want, need, and desire, or need, desire, and want, however you, however you want to navigate your way through that. But that's what supplication is. It's the place where we're saying, God, I'd like for you to act in this way. God, I'd like for you to act in that way. God, I'd like for you to do this for me. God, I'd like for you to open this door. I'd like for you to close that door. I'd like for you to do this. I'd like for you to do that. So when we pray continually, if you put those things together, we can live a life of constant prayer without closing our eyes, but as we navigate our way through life. And as we learn to pray in all things, 
we become those who are nurturing and cultivating a life of thanksgiving. Because as we let our requests be made known, we're confessing that we're not in this world alone, but in desperate need of one who loves us and who knows us and who's at work on our behalf. And then finally, just circular, circular. The last thing is giving thanks in every circumstance. I come back to the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. He says that they came to faith with power and deep conviction and became imitators of us, Paul, and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. In spite of severe suffering, you became believers. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy. See, this is, this is where Paul says in Romans 8, if you add Romans 8 and 1 Thessalonians 1 and 1 Thessalonians 5 in terms of giving God thanks in every circumstance, in Romans 8, Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, know that God is at work in all things for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God is at work in all things for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. See, we don't have to give thanks for everything but giving thanks in every circumstance goes back to point number one, which is we're empowered by the Spirit and we're never abandoned. God's work is never thwarted. So wherever we find ourselves, we can be thankful for the work that God is doing on our behalf to make a way for us into a preferred future working on our behalf to make a way for us into a preferred future. The hope that's in us is the resurrection hope of Jesus. The hope that's working through us is the resurrected hope of Jesus. The life and calling that is before us is found in the resurrected hope of Jesus to which we cling. And as we cling, we give thanks in every circumstance knowing that God is for us. And Paul says, if he is for us, who can be against us? If he is for us, what can stand against us? If he is for us, can anything separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Romans 8. And the answer to that is no, absolutely not. And Paul enumerates in Romans 8 the vast things and the numerous things that have the possibility of separating us with from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And he comes to the conclusion 
that nothing, absolutely nothing, is able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus. And so today, as we conclude our time together, on the bottom of your listening sheet, I've uh, suggested a couple of things that you might want to do. Um, today or tomorrow or this week. And uh, those two things are these. Identify five reasons to be thankful. It's possible that you've already done all of that this week. Could I suggest that you do it again? That you do it again in light of, in light of rejoicing always, constantly praying in every, in, and, and being thankful in every circumstance, giving thanks in every circumstance. Just maybe revisit that. Take a pencil on paper and just put five things down, the things that you're thankful for. And then, that's just a suggestion. You can have more, you can have less. And then the other thing that maybe you might want to do is identify three things that you'll take to God in prayer. Just three things that you'll take to God in prayer. See, examination of the soul, examination of your well-being. It's possible that you're carrying stuff around that you haven't given to the Lord in prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, or supplication. We've already identified that. It's possible that you're carrying around these things in your soul that you haven't given breath to. So do you have something to pray with regard to adoration or confession or thanksgiving or supplication, simply asking God? Do you have something that you could pray about? And so your homework this week today or any other time into the future is simply think about that 